Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. It might sound a little bit different this week because, well, one, I got a new microphone. But two, we're also recording in the studio today. Well, in my studio, I mean in my house and Alex is in his house. But I was going to say, where's the studio? <laughs> the studio is on Skype. I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but it's a great <laughs> little spot. But welcome back, dear listener. This week we will be discussing the new release, well, new as in July 31st, 2015, of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, behind the scenes peak, Alex and I just got home from a screening of that, so it is fresh in our memory, and I'm hoping that we re- are able to retain a lot of that stuff that we watched by the time we get to the discussion later in the show. But first, as usual... Alex, what you been entertained by? Well, I've been preparing for Rogue Nation, of course, so I had to go back. Even though we just watched the Mission Impossible movies again, I felt like I needed to go back and rewatch them, uh, specifically Ghost Protocol, because it's it's kind of a lead into Rogue Nation. So even if you've seen it recently, that's something that I enjoyed watching again, um, and it definitely led into the the Rogue Nation movie real well. Um, haven't had too much, uh, time to play video games or anything. Unfortunately, it's very sad, uh, <laughs> that I'm busy, that I have things to do. Um, but I did make a point to, um, keep my calendar free on the 29th, which was Tuesday, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, to download windows 10 operating system. Did you actually out. download it or did you, so tell me about your process. Cause a lot of people I've been listening to didn't quite understand how to do it. They thought they'd be able to just go to a site, click download, and go. But that wasn't quite what Microsoft had in mind. No. So you were supposed to reserve your copy ahead of time. There was a little Windows icon in your notification area. Was that a and GameStop kind of thing where they were like, hey, you want to pre-order Windows 10 now? Oh, no. Fortunately, no. <laughs> but um, I pre-ordered mine months ago um, as soon as the notification popped up. So Seriously? Well, yeah. I, I mean, never got that notification. Well, I never noticed it until Wednesday. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, mine popped up months ago. Um, so I pre-ordered it. I got a bunch of emails that said what to do, how to prepare for Windows 10, all these cool new features. So um, the plan was, you know, as as early as I got into Windows 10 to, to upgrade because I got my system my files everything it's all prepared um unfortunately that wasn't the case because uh for some reason our security at work uh, blocked me from downloading it so i had to wait until i got home to do it but once i got on a network that was allowing the update to go through it took me less than an hour to download and apply the update and i was up and running and um you know, the, the the process for me was go through the upgrade first, um, you know, keeping all my files and uh, applications intact. And then the plan is to eventually um, do a clean install um, to wipe out you know, all the previous files from the uh, operating systems. Once you're satisfied with what you've seen. Yeah, it's a good testing phase. I, I've been reading some articles that, you know, there's some bugs. I seen a couple but nothing real noticeable to me the operating system is real fluid and it's fast and um it's a lot of 
good features from Windows 8, but they kept the core part of Windows 7 intact, which I think a lot of people appreciate. Um, but I, I've just been playing with it a lot and playing with Cortana a lot. and I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. That's what I've been entertained by. And, Cortana. Uh, <laughs> Cortana, yes. I'm, I'm pretty simple. But um, this weekend I'm really probably going to get into streaming Xbox One to my PC. Um, and I know that you've had some exposure to that, so uh, you said that it's been pretty good. Yeah. But so, like you, I also downloaded it uh, late. Was it Wednesday night? I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so I went home after work, and then I had uh, an engagement after work. So, like in the meantime, I clicked the reserve button. And I was like, "I'll see if this is ready by the time I get back home." Mm-hmm. It wasn't. So I said, <laughs> "I'm not waiting around for this. I'm just gonna do it now." So I. Went and forced the download of the ISO image and did it that way. And, you know, from clicking download to being back up and running to a desktop, it took me maybe 50 minutes at most. Uh, pretty smooth, pretty easy. Again, it was the upgrade path. Um, like you, I kind of intend on doing a clean install. Um, but to do that, you had to... You had to first kind of get your license that you have existing registered as a Windows 10 license. Then get your license key, take that ISO image that you have onto like a DVD or a USB drive, boot to that, and then reinstall on that drive using that key. Then it will be able to do a clean install. So, but it's kind of a thing that you had to first get it installed via the upgrade path and then do that reinstall on top of it. Right, not, just not so it recognizes it, it. your license. Yeah, exactly. So my initial goal was to actually just do it ISO, wipe it, and go. But because it wouldn't recognize the license, uh, I had to do it the other way. So mm-hmm. right now, I still haven't done the, the the clean install yet. And I'm not 100% sure I will, but that's kind of the plan right now still is if I get time to do it, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and do a clean install. There's not a ton on this desktop. I haven't really honestly used it all that much since I got it, um, but I got like Steam, StarCraft, Skype, and some other stuff on here. just some stuff I see on the desktop right now, so not a ton of stuff is on my desktop. I use it mainly if I have to work from home. Uh, I use RDP to get into work, but from what I've had experience with it, it's been solid. It's been good. Um, I know some people online have been having issues with disconnects, or not disconnects, uh, like crashes and things like that, but I don't think that has been the, I haven't heard a lot of backlash. There hasn't been the headlines that say Windows 10 fails or this and that. Right. I think it was just like one-offs, people going to forums looking for help. Those were kind of the areas that I've been kind of, you know, looking at recently. Um, but a lot of the people like, you know, we work in the IT field. Um, so we kind of have a little more, I don't want to say knowledge, but more exposure on how to fix problems and things like this that pop up because it's what we do. So I think, you know, for you and me, it was a pretty simple upgrade. Yeah. I was like a wizard just walking through a setup wizard. Click yeah. next, next, next done. Yeah. I mean, it was honestly really easy from that aspect too. Mm-hmm. And so like you said, you know, the, the, the streaming from the Xbox to the windows 10 install, works really well so first off i'm gonna you're gonna hear you're gonna hear some mouse clicks ladies and gentlemen but this is a live representation of me opening up the xbox application 
um, and just kind of looking and clicking through it and talking about what I see with it. So a lot of you will be familiar with Smart Glass, which is an amazing part of the Xbox One experience and probably one of the most underutilized and best features of the Xbox One. Because you, you can compare it to PlayStation 4. Their app is basically just a link to the website to do stuff on their website. Mm-hmm. Um, the Smart Glass app is completely built from the ground up to interface with you, uh, the Smart Glass. Um, so if you're familiar with Smart Glass, you'll be familiar with this application, but there's a few more things that it does, obviously. So, for instance, I'm looking at it right now. you got your little logo there with your avatar. <laughs> Avatar's back. I haven't seen an avatar in forever. Um, <laughs> but he's back. And then you've got your home, your My Games, which is the My Games are your actual PC games. So again, Xbox on Windows 10 is kind of like, you know, Microsoft's version of Steam or something like that. It is their game client now. So it links into the Microsoft Store and you can download games to it. Um, That's how that works. You also have access to get to messages from Xbox Live, as well as activity alerts, achievements, Game DVR, which now you can game DVR stuff from your computer. So if you are playing a game on your computer, I think it's Windows button and G brings up the option to use DVR or to take a snapshot from PC games now. How cool. Yeah. Right? I mean, do you remember back in the day when you had to go get like a capture card and have all this wiring rigged up to record your gaming sessions? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really intuitive it's and unbelievable. really easy now. I mean, it's never been easier to share content like that, right? To take a screenshot of a cool moment in a game or an unbelievable moment in, I'll I'll use an example for you, Destiny. Destiny. I knew it. (laughs) An unbelievable moment in Destiny where you just have the, you know, an incredible moment. (laughs) Something crazy happens just to say, you know, record that and then it gets recorded and things like that, which uh, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm assuming if you have a a microphone plugged into the... um, the application that you can have Cortana assist you in recording some of the stuff too, like you could with the Connect on the Xbox One, but I don't haven't messed around with that just yet. Um, but moving on from the DVR, underneath that, then you have the store, which gives you access to, you know, buy videos, games, and stuff like that that are PC-based. So if you buy something from this store, it's actually going to be a game that's on the Windows Game Store. So, for instance, on here you have a lot of the Windows app games, like Fruit Ninja, Halo Spartan Assault, Spartan Strike, Hitman Go. Uh, Those are just some of the ones that are like on the top list right here. So those are the games that you'll find in this particular game store. It's not the same game store that you would see on your Xbox One, so just keep that in mind. Uh, But you also have the option to download apps, music, and uh, video from this area as well. And I'm not 100% sure if you buy, like, let's say... um, uh, one of the movies from in here, like this Justice League Guys and Monsters, if you buy that from here, if you're able to watch that on your Xbox, or if it's exclusive to this PC, um, that's just a question that I haven't quite answered myself yet. So, uh, could be, it could be cool if it interplayed mm-hmm. with both sides. So, underneath the store, here's here's the main event, so to speak, right? This is what a lot of people are really excited about right now, which is being able to connect to your xbox one the requirements to connect to your xbox one are a you need to have windows 10 with this xbox app it needs to be on the same network now if you're on a wireless network it has to be the same ssid name 
because you know how you can have like a guest network and a traditional network on one router still be the same thing but it has to be the same ssid if, if they're on wireless networks okay. i have my network wired so everything is gigabit wired for me just some background on how mine works so when i click on here and i start streaming i'm able to just click the button right now there's tv uh playing on over there my wife might be watching tv but i'll just click the stream button because this isn't going to interfere with her because now uh, i'm able to connect up and see what's happening to this. Um, one caveat is you do have to have the Xbox One controller connected if you want to play games, but if you want to do some other things with it, you don't necessarily have to have that up there. But for the streaming, um, you want to have your Xbox One controller plugged in via USB to your Windows 10 PC. So, um, yeah, so now I'm like watching TV that is watching over there. The one thing that I wish this did is I really want the ability, because you can snap apps and have multiple things running on your Xbox One, I want this to be able to let someone in the other room be watching Netflix or um, TV on the Xbox One and me be in this room and be able to click the stream like Arkham Knight and stream that to my computer while they're still watching video in there and they're right. uninterrupted. If yeah. it did that, this would be 10 out of 10 in my list. Yeah, right now, absolutely. it's like a 9 out of 10. Which, I mean, it, it's on launch. You know, we got to keep that in mind. This is coming out with Windows 10, this whole integration process. And from what I've seen so far, I'm going to probably do some heavy testing on it this weekend just to kind of see how far... It's very smooth, and I haven't had any issues with it yet. <laughs> you know what's ironic is you said something was very smooth, but you actually cut out <laughs> a little bit ahead oh, of Oh, really? That. So the opposite of smooth. Huh? <laughs> so Must be this Windows 10 operating system. It could I'm be. You're sure. talking on Skype on 10. <laughs> so go ahead and repeat your, your last statement there just so we can... Sure. So, so basically this weekend I'm going to do a lot of extensive testing... I want to see how far I can push this Xbox app. But from what I've seen so far on launch with this type of integration between console and PC, it's been fantastic. Very smooth, very fluid. Uh, I haven't had any issues with it crashing or anything on me so far. Yeah, it's it's been good. And like I said, I haven't had a ton of experience yet, like being able to play around and mess with it. Um, but I do like what I've seen so far with it. Like Internet Explorer is gone. Now it's actually called Microsoft Edge. Um, so a lot of the websites, you'll just use that with it. It's supposed to be a, a better browser. And from my briefs, you know, surfing that I did with edge, it was fine. Um, it just reminds me a lot of, you know, kind of, it's, it's really a weird amalgam between Chrome and, uh, Explorer. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, yeah, but it, I like it. It looks cool. It looks fine. Um, there's not a lot of frilly stuff to it, which I like. So it's just kind of a basic browser, but it seems to be good for what I've had so far. I'm sure once I try to do other browser, uh, browsing it rather, there I'll come across websites that'll say, oh, this browser's not supported. It does still have, I believe, 11 built into the operating system so that it can go back and use that if websites mm -hmm. can't display in this more advanced or newer uh, browser. Right. And the issue, I've only had one issue with Edge so far. 
I, I feel like because it's intended for more of a tablet view, the buttons are enlarged a little bit because they're trying to compensate for people using their fingers. Now, and, that not, may not be 100% accurate because I think we were talking earlier and you put it in more of a tablet mode, your computer, right? Right. However, the application opens up the same Does whether it? you're in tablet. The At least the Edge application opens up the same whether you're in tablet mode or desktop mode. It's just one of those Windows 10 applications. That's just how it opens. And okay. I, I feel like the buttons are a little bit too enlarged for me. And the the bar at the top, the, the control bar for the Edge application, it, it takes up a lot of my screen, I feel like. And I, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it too much, just the way that it looks right now. And there's also not an option in the Edge application to go full screen in the browser, which I do a lot of times. Can so, you just press F11? Man, if if this works, this works. I'm not having success with F11. Are you? Uh, I, I am not. But yeah. double-clicking so, it makes it maximize, but you're looking for a, like a traditional full-screen mode, right? Yeah, I'm looking for Windows. And you you cut out just a little bit there again. Oh, man. It's Windows 10, man, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, I'm looking for... It, it's just it's just a feature that's missing is the full-screen is what I'm saying. That's It's just something that I do a lot. Okay. And because it looks like it's you know trying to be that bridge between you can use it as desktop mode or tablet mode trying to be that touch friendly it's the buttons are a little bit too large they take up a lot of my screen more than i would like yeah there may be a little bit of you know tweaking that you can do with some of that too but um i'm hoping it's a good bit of feedback but yeah the more i'm looking at it and clicking around it it reminds me a lot of chrome and that's not a bad thing honestly Mm -mm, not at all so, but yeah, and, and if they can get this edge application to work, then they got one up on IE, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, I mean, like you, a lot of my, you know, time has been my free time in the past few days has been spent checking out windows 10 and just kind of last night I stayed up probably way too late, just kind of testing things out. And I, yeah, I tweeted out after I had it installed and I tried the, the Xbox one game streaming that, uh, it was very responsive. It was really good because mm-hmm. I loaded up Arkham Knight, and in Arkham Knight there is a like AR missions I think they're called, and one of them is a combo master mission, and I got a new high score while doing it. So wow. you know it can't be like, and it, that requires a button presses at the right time. You know what I mean? Right. So obviously there was no delay for that, and it was just really. Really responsive, really impressed. Like I said, the only the only downfall with the Xbox app that I wish it did differently was it doesn't allow you to have TV playing via the Xbox TV app or use Netflix or something like that, and then mm-hmm. me be able to launch a game on my on my PC. If it did that, man, it would be. I think it'll get there. Run. I think it'll get there. Though. It seems I like mean, it's a small tweak, right? Yes, yeah, so, and they've set up the console to do that perfectly right it's just maybe it's just something they're taking baby steps and i i can appreciate that yeah rather than go for it all and have all these big issues so because technically i mean this was 
this has just been only in preview before yesterday. So, I mean, the wide populace really hasn't messed around with it much. And I didn't mess around with 10 a whole lot. I had it installed, the um, the preview version, uh, on a virtual machine on my Mac. Just kind of mess around with that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I do, I, from what I've seen so far, it's been solid. It's been nice. But, again, it hasn't been quite 24 hours that it's been installed on my computer yet. So, right. <laughs> only time will really tell, right? Absolutely. But... Other than that, uh, things I've been entertained by, not a ton. I've really been catching up on a lot of podcasts. So, um, you know, we just recently both got back um, from vacations. And while I was on vacation, I didn't spend a lot of time listening to podcasts or anything while I was away. So uh, at work and here at home, while I've been doing things around the house, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, trying to keep up. I'm still uh, a little bit behind on some of them, but I've been able to catch up on a few of those. Um, Watched Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, I believe. Yeah. Uh, again. At, no, <laughs> I watched it on the airplane, sorry. I'm, I watched something else just for fun recently. Oh, uh, X-Men Rogue X-Men, edit. yep. Yeah, the Rogue Cut. So I watched that, and what that is is, and it's widely known, the character Rogue was all but removed from X-Men Days of Future Past, what we saw in the theaters. So what this edit does is it goes in and puts in some scenes where she was in it. And I really don't, it's not that I don't like it. It's, it feels really disjointed. And I mean, it would have to, right? But Mm -hmm. it's been a year and a half now since that movie came out. Right. Or maybe a year. Maybe it was summer last year that that came out. But you think that if they were going to make this release, they would have maybe taken a little bit more time to be able to edit it a little bit better, possibly. But, yeah. you know, at the same time, we, we got what we wanted as, you know, as fans of the, the rogue character and things like that. We got to be able to see her, see this expanded story a little bit. And from that aspect, I'm I'm grateful that it was released. I just think they could have done maybe a little bit better job with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen it, so I don't know yet, but... From what you're saying, they had a lot of time to do this, like you said. So if you're seeing things that are disjointed, as you said, I'd, I'd be disappointed. You know, they had all this time. And I don't know, to me, like when you're talking about what it is and what, what was it supposed to com- accomplish? Is there a, was there a need for it? Was there like some kind of outcry that people needed this? There was, there was some fan reaction when the movie was released that that – Anna Paquin's Rogue was all but cut out of the movie. She was just in like a very last scene um, as like a cameo almost. So there was a subplot of her in in this uh, Rogue edit. But someone asked me, you know, earlier what I thought about it. And I kind of thought about it for a second. It, this felt appropriate was it kind of reminded me of, you know, when you get a game and they say pre-order it early and you get this extra character. <laughs> and then you install that character and then it's kind of like, yeah, I'm over here. Yay, look at me for a second. And then mm-hmm. you don't really notice them much more. It kind of almost felt like that because really it's... Yeah. And if You'll have to watch it and compare the two because you'll get to where the point where she's in the movie and you're just like, that is seriously just like a skin change. That's all that is. <laughs> it... it yeah. I don't know. It's. I'm glad it was released. Uh, I'm glad that on the disc, it's not just the rogue cut. It is the theatrical version as well. I would say that I prefer the theatrical version. 
Um, but the rogue edit is worth watching. So, okay. you know, going forward with Days of Future Past and then going into Apocalypse, the the theatrical is going to be the canon, I'm sure. That's the, the story that they would refer to if anything was in there. Because I don't think Rogue is even in that movie, so it doesn't really matter if she, uh, or if you have this one or not. Right. So, but yeah, that was the other thing that I watched, and I thought that that was kind of an interesting move uh, on their part. But... You know, I've also been entertained by something else recently. Very recently. And it's it's on my mind. Is it on yours? Are you ready? It's been on my mind for a long time. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our entertaining thoughts for this week. Impossible Rogue Nation. Alex, what are your thoughts? Give me your from the gut reaction. Uh, walking out of the theater, what was your initial thought? My initial thought was wow, I think I like this one the best out of the series. Just that's, initially. That's big. I, it, it is. It's very big. Because you know how much I was opposed to Ghost Protocol versus Mission Impossible 3. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I might like Rogue Nation better than Ghost Protocol, but I, I'm i going to have a difficult time liking it more than Mission Impossible 3. Mm-hmm. But that was my initial reaction when I saw it when I walked out of the theater. So, you know, and you, we both watched Ghost Protocol recently ahead of going into this. And it was good, too, because... This one references Ghost Protocol, obviously yes. directly, um, because there's a scene that it sh- you know they talk about the last mission and you know this happened in it, and this is going to be a spoiler discussion. I don't know if if you're a new listener and this is your first episode, <laughs> this is going to be a spoiler discussion of all the Mission Impossible movies, including Rogue Nation. We could reference anything from you know one, two, three, or four. Um, but we'll be definitely spoiling Rogue Nation. So if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend maybe put this on pause and come back and check it out later. So in this movie, you have, I think, a really strong cast, even though... Yes. So, so who are your big characters in this? You got Tom Cruise, obviously, right? Of course. And then you got Alec Baldwin. He's like the CIA director kind of guy. Which I thought he did a good job. Like, I don't know. When I saw Alec Baldwin, I'm like, hmm, mm-hmm. okay. We'll see. But he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty much being Alec Baldwin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, He was very just being himself. So. He was kind of maybe having a little bit more of a gravitas or a presence. But he was being himself in this movie, wearing a suit, kind of calling the shots. And he also had Jeremy Renner. He's back. Right, the Ethan Hunt to be. Right? No, you, you know, that's what I thought. <laughs> you know, going into this from what we... From how we were introduced to him in the last movie, he really didn't play off as that character at all in this movie. He not like I thought he was going to develop. No. Yeah, no. He was he was the guy back at headquarters calling the shots, right? Or not right. calling the shots, but kind of like the eye in the sky. Right. So I was surprised. Like I figured with what we saw of him in Ghost Protocol that he would be a field agent more so than Benji. You know what I mean? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, he seems like he's just more well-equipped physically and, and mentally to be a field agent. Yeah. And it, they could have ta- taken Simon Pegg and, you know, done more of the, I'm going to be this guy back at headquarters, but also, you know, step up and be like the corporate guy. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think they wanted to go the direction where Simon Pegg's character, Benji, he had all of this stuff happen to him. And, you know, we get that comedic relief while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... We get the comedic relief, relief from Benji for sure, but I mean, some of the other characters too had some some good timing, uh, some oh, yeah. comedic elements. I think they were all funny at one point. I I laughed when each character did something. I'm I'm not sure about Ilsa, the girl. Yeah, I'm not but sure. I I can't remember a time that she said something that made me laugh, but definitely all the other IMF characters and Alec Baldwin. Yeah, made me laugh at one point. Uh huh. Out loud. <laughs> there, yeah, there were a couple of laugh out loud moments in the in the film, and uh, I, I enjoyed them quite a bit. So I know I was sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, when the, my first and my first thought when we walked into the or when I got to the theater, right, was that man, there are not very many cars here. I got prime parking. You right. know what I mean? I, I was able to park in a nice little spot. You know, no one too close to me on one side or the other of the car. I'm like, oh, all right, uh, this is nice, but this doesn't bode well for the movie. Because the last time I went and saw a movie at opening night was Jurassic World, and it was sold oh, out. I bet. So, with best. this one, I was like, I think I mentioned to you, I was like, you know, not many people accepted this mission. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, it just, I, I walked into the theater, and there was maybe five or six people in there and i got there maybe 15 20 minutes ahead of the movie time starting um well uh, from the movie time when it was supposed to start well you, <laughs> you were there for an hour from the scheduled uh movie time beginning <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah 24 minutes of previews and commercials that's just it gets that, longer it's getting a little every crazy. time i go i think it does literally because there was like two coke commercials separated by a sprite commercial <laughs> yeah but you know that's neither here nor there but you know what was pretty cool was we did see it in an imax showing and you know how imax will typically have that 10 9 8 you know that countdown little thing that you go through they changed it for this movie to be like a mission impossible themed kind of thing where you saw like the the fuse go through the 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 then blow up while the theme music was playing. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool, pretty well done. Um, and it leads you right into the right into the movie. The first scene, I was... I, when I first saw the green grass and everything, I immediately saw, remembered from the trailer, the one scene where Benji pops up, you know, out of the grass. Right. Uh, and so I knew what scene they were doing. They were opening with that big stunt piece that they advertised a lot, which was the... Tom Cruise actually did the scene or the stunt where he hung off the side of that uh, airplane. Right. And when I went and saw Ant-Man last week, they showed a preview before, uh, like a behind-the-scenes type look where they showed, you know, how he went about doing the stunt. And so, and they even said that it took place within the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie. So I was really anticipating the beginning of this movie, and it, it kicked off with a hit. Yeah, it Let's look at this, right? So this is now the fifth Mission Impossible movie that we've been discussing. In each one, you have an opening mission scene. 
in the first one it was that scene where they're at the ballroom where everybody dies pretty much right um no no sorry well, even was, before that before when that he there was, was the, wearing the mask and he, he yeah. was interrogating the guy that's right so that was the opening scene in the first mission possible you're correct that was okay that yes. was good for that movie i think because right. that was more of an espionage type movie anyway yeah. Then you get into Mission Impossible 2, and the opening scene was that whole, you know, Alexei or Dimitri or whoever, whatever he called uh, right. Ethan Hunt's character. And he uh, dies in the plane crash and all that stuff, right, in that opening scene there. That was good, amped up from the first one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Third one, the opening scene, from what I remember, was the flash forward scene to later on in the movie, right? Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yes. Good piece of storytelling. Not none of the other films have done that kind of storytelling, where it kind of flashes between the two, you know, parts of the story. Right. So that was the opening scene there. And then in the fourth movie, Ghost Protocol, it was them trying to track down and the guy getting hit by the assassin, and then it begins. And then there's a prison break, and then the that scene. So that was a pretty long opening scene there. Right. This one, with him getting in the plane and everything like that, uh, was really well done. I, I, I'm curious, Alex, which one is your favorite out of those five opening scenes that we've, we've seen so far? Easily. Mission Impossible 3. The, the flashback one? The... It, well, it, yeah, it was like a flash forward to one point in the movie uh, at the very beginning of the movie where, you know, Tom Cruise was being held and it was and, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's there counting down, holding the gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ethan's trying desperately to get him to stop counting down to to not shoot. Mm-hmm. And he just it's just brilliant. Just the acting is brilliant. And it's like it just. It sets you up and gets you excited for what's going to happen in the movie. So I'm going to discount that one a little bit, okay? Okay. Because that's a little bit of a cheat, because you see that (laughs) scene play out again in its entirety later in the movie. So from the other four films, which one do you like best? Because they were all kind of separate missions or set-up stories before the main movie that weren't repeated later. Hmm. Well, if I have to count out my favorite... I'm going to say that, man, it's a toss-up between Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. I honestly think I liked Ghost Protocol better. Yeah, because that was a good one, right? Yeah, because it opened up with a a completely different IMF team. Right. And I liked how it showed how wrong a mission can go. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it just cuts right into Tom Cruise, and then the, the it it was like a prison break scene, but it wasn't like a rescue you know mission, because mm-hmm. um, he was voluntarily there. I don't I I liked that opening a lot, where it was like resurrecting Ethan Hunt's character. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite one is probably going to be Ghost Protocol, but for for this movie, it's probably my second, discounting mm-hmm. three because three you know is excellent. Because with this one, you have that big stunt piece, right? And then you got actually a fair amount of comedy mixed in there, too, with, you know, opening the wrong door, <laughs> and then him just kind of flying out of the plane with the stuff, and he's like, I don't know, I guess this is what's going to happen. 
And did you see how they made Tom Cruise's entrance into the movie a big deal, this movie? Like, he came, you know, they, they, they weren't showing him at the beginning. Everybody's like, where's Ethan? Where, right. Where's Ethan? And then he just comes over the top of the hill. And I, I heard some woo-woos going in the audience. Yeah, the, there was someone uh, you like, know, woo Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then right. he just kind of like, you know, starts running, jumps right on the plane. You know, a little bit of a John Woo moment there, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd have to agree that Rogue Nation, it, it, it was definitely my second. And I do want to say, you know, they advertised, again, the heck out of this movie, right? It was oh, advertised, yeah. in my opinion, way too much. Totally saturated. Like, like I said, it was on Xbox. It was, you know, you go to a website and it was like blazoned everywhere. This particular scene with the plane was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great scene, but I feel like I, I wish they wouldn't have shown it everywhere because I would have, it would have had more impact because it did feel really intense, right? Like looking at his face and looking at everything and getting the. You know, seeing the ground just kind of get smaller and smaller, and and he's knowing that he's hanging onto the plane too. I mean, it looked really good, but we had seen it probably twenty times before actually getting to see the movie. I know they they could have. I agree with you. They could have advertised that he did that own his own stunt like that. Mm-hmm. They could have advertised the heck out of the fact that he did his own stunt without actually showing it. Yeah, and. That would have been incredible to see. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the the big set pieces then, right? You know, because every Mission Impossible movie has like that scene, that moment. In your opinion, what do you think that scene or that defining moment for this film is? See, the Mission Impossible movies are hard because aside from the first one, there's just there's different points in each. There, there, there's just, there's different points in each movie that they have these you know beautiful set pieces and they make these iconic uh, scenes. Uh, for me, I think it might have been when he was underwater. That was a really good scene. That was that was intense. I know that there's a lot of people that that scene could really make them feel uncomfortable. Like oh yeah, him dr- he drowned. He did. Like he, he was a goner. Yeah. It it was really well done and i think most of it that did me like that affected me was the sound just you know the yep. absence of sound yep the because we've all heard stuff underwater and we've all you know kind of had the fear of, of drowning i'm sure at one point or another and he's underwater for what is it three minutes or something like that which is ungodly i mean that's just i don't even know how long a human can actually hold their breath that's john woo holding your breath <laughs> yeah but so you know, he gets to that, and he dies, and drowns in this movie. This is what the second time that he's died, I think, in a mil- in a movie. Um, yes, or was it the third? If that, time? if that, I don't know. Maybe the third time, because I think he died twice in in three. If if I don't, <laughs> possibly, I don't know. Anyway, so you have that scene here, and it's really effective. Like the sound that he makes, like when he's drowning, that 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 grasping for air but not getting it, and then his mouth is kind of opening a little it bit. Hurt. And just like, it didn't oh my hurt God. you. Yeah, like I just like, wanted. I was I was gasping for breath. I know. I was like I was like holding my breath. You know, it's one of those things where you're you're in the theater, you're getting kind of into the scene. It's a tense situation, and I'm holding my breath. But I'm like, man, I I can't believe that he's supposed to be still holding his breath for this time. I could never hold my breath for three minutes. 
Oh, no, absolutely not. Especially with the way that the water was pressurized down there, how he was just, like, jolted around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then smacked by that, that arm that one time. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you feel at one point because it's, you know, it's it's Ethan Hunt that he's just a little bit patch after he completes the, you know, the, the mission down there, but he didn't. Yeah, and I, you cut out again. Good old Skype on you. Oh, man. <laughs> so what, what was that? Did you say he was going to yell, mission accomplished, and open the hatch? <laughs> I said, you think he's going to, right? Because it's Ethan Hunt. Uh-huh. You think he's going to do what he needs to do, and then he's going to be he's going to find that little extra bit of oxygen or strength, whatever he needs to just blow the hatch and get out of there. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. And then you kind of see the life drain from his body, and he just gets sucked away by the pressurized water and just if she hadn't come down there to rescue him he would have just been spinning down there in circles oh yeah definitely so that was the scene for me and so i think that that was a really good scene but also in my mind the scene that stands out to me in this film was the the opera house scene Mm -hmm. that was just really really cool it had some good comedic elements it wasn't as tense as the um, the infiltration scene of that facility, whatever it was, but it was still a big pivotal moment in the movie. Yeah, the opera house was, I think. Yeah, and you know, Ethan makes that decision to shoot the the ambassador or the head of state, whatever he was, in like the arm just to get him moved out of the way of a kill shot, which was. I didn't. Did you see that coming? Like that he was going to shoot him. It made sense afterwards. You're like, oh yeah, he would have done that. But you know, when he saw both people targeting him. What did you think he was going to do? Did you think that he was going to shoot that person? Or did you think that he was going to try to do both? Like shoot one guy and then take out the other? To be quite honest, I didn't think he... I, I didn't think he was going to be able to make a decision. And I thought that the... the Was it the prime minister or the ambassador? I, I thought he was just going to end up getting shot. Yeah. I, I figured that that... Honestly, when I saw that situation kind of play out, he was going to... My initial thought was he was going to shoot the guy across the way. And then he would try to take out the girl, but before he got to her, she would take the shot. Yeah. So, and so we he, both kind of had the same ending yeah. in mind. <laughs> but, you know, but, it's, it's alluded to later in the movie, right? Sometimes Ethan sees the only way. Where right. we, we would probably have chosen one of those two options, but there was a third option that only Ethan saw, right? And that's what makes him Ethan Hunt. And it, it, it does it the best decision decision that he could have made there's there's no other (laughs) that's the only way that that guy is getting out of there alive yeah so that was one of the scenes to me that really stood out was was that particular scene so let's let's talk a little bit now about the villain right okay so you have an overarching villain in this particular movie which is the syndicate which is headed by one man. Uh, was it Solomon? Solomon? Solomon Lane. Lane, yeah. So, he was... How do I put this? As a bad guy, there was a lot of potential there on the script and the story. Mm-hmm. The actor did okay with the job, but I think if you would have had someone else in that particular role... I think it would have been even more... I think it would have been able to possibly either rival or top Philip Seymour Hoffman in episode three. 
Right. Absolutely. I agree. I, and I, and I hate saying this, but if they had Philip Seymour Hoffman, you need a character like that. Mm-hmm. That's who you would imagine would run a group like the syndicate. Right. This guy was more just like, like they called him a brainchild. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And he just wasn't as menacing as you would expect a ruthless organization like the syndicate to be. Very intelligent, very, you know, playing chess around the board, but I don't know. I'm I'm with you on this one. I did like, however, stick one person that, you know, one bad guy that they were chasing the whole movie. I, I like that rather than skipping around like, uh, you know, Ghost Protocol kind of skipped around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You had this person and then it was this person, then it was this person. And, I, you know, I understand that you're following leads, but at the end of the day, when they die, you just don't really care that much. Yeah. I... One thing that stood out with this bad guy for me, right? His voice? His voice, that was fine, whatever. That was an acting choice. It was it was something defining of the character. I'll give it that. It was fine. And this isn't the actor's problem. This is the, the costume department's problem. The way he dressed just felt like 60s or 70s Bond villain. Mixed with Neo from The Matrix. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That's... Um. Yeah. I just feel like the it, he always dressed in black and a turtleneck. He was like Steven, Steve Jobs' villain. If Steve Jobs was a villain and didn't always wear denim, you know, or, or jeans, that would be this character. Uh, I am now referring to Apple as the syndicate. <laughs> it's it's happening. <laughs> so that was my only complaint, really, with with that villain was that he was a little bit. A little bit stereotypical in some ways, but he he was effective when he was on the screen. He was able to capture your attention um, and have a commanding presence. But, you know, if they would have been able to get someone, a better actor, yep. to maybe take that, take that role. And, you know, I was thinking, who who could be a better villain in this role, right? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, yeah, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, he's no yeah, longer with us. I know. But you look at someone like, and I mentioned, you know, to you after we came through, is like, you know, if if we could have got like a Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah, who can play a, a imposing figure and empowering figure, which I, I understand that maybe this this character he doesn't have to be the big muscle bound guy or whatever, right? He's got henchmen for that. That's what they're for. Um, but. If he was more menacing, like you, before this movie, we we saw the trailer for Spectre, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of similarities that will most likely be drawn between, you know, the Syndicate and Spectre. Both start with S's, for example. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so in in Spectre, uh, what is what's the character's name? Christoph Waltz, right? Mm-hmm. He he plays the the big bad. I think I think it's going to be Blofeld. In this, in this uh, Spectre film, that is perfect casting for that role, I think, because he'll be able to pull it off with grace and amusement, and he'll have you questioning if you should be rooting for him or not, because he's just going to be, you know, pulling it off in like a pleasant kind of way. 
because that's right. that's the way he does everything. Um, but this guy, it's like, yeah, he always dressed in black, so obviously he's a bad guy. There's there's no maybe he's got a good cause somewhere in his mind. If there was someone that could pull and try to say that, no, what I'm doing is actually okay or gray, not necessarily black, but I don't think with the aesthetic that they kind of went with, with the way he kind of delivered his lines, the way that they dressed him, this guy was just the bad guy. There was no gray about it. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. So, but you look at the other other characters, obviously we we had a, a recurring character again, Luther. He popped up. In yes. the opening scene, nonetheless, he just pops up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm over here across the world doing this thing for you guys. <laughs> I'm like, what? Seriously, you just you just happen to be doing something else, but then you get a call and you can do that. Seriously? I, I don't know if that's how that works. I guess if you're Luther. <laughs> they really highlighted his character, the, the skill set of his character in this movie, I thought, even though he wasn't in it a ton of the time. But I, I really liked his character, and you actually guessed that he might die in this film. Yeah, but, you know, going longer into it, I, I wouldn't have surprised me. And I, I thought... Yeah. Going in, I thought somebody was going to die in this movie, right? It kind of seems was. like it's time. I mean, yeah. I love all the characters, but it's time for a heartbreak somewhere to fuel something else, right? To fuel some emotions, to drive some, you know, something forward. Yeah. But you know, we get out of this movie. No one major dies. You know, on on the IMF side of things, I thought Benji may have died. Yeah, like I thought he would may have gotten yeah. to that point where, well, maybe he is going to die. Um, I was worried there for a bit, absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at the movie, he was, he was like, central character with Ethan. He was, yep. uh, you know, they had that funny scene with him, like, you know, coming doing the polygraph test every other time. Then he gets the, the invitation to Paris and he, that, you know, that opera house scene that he's integral to. So, and then, you know, he has an impassioned scene, like, no, I'm your friend, and this and that. I figured it was just going to come down to that scene where they were, you know... And that scene that it comes down to when Benji gets captured and they're at that little parlor or diner. Yeah, that was good. And he's delivering those lines. That scene was brilliant. Absolutely. I loved it. Like, I didn't know how much acting or how good of an actor Simon Pegg could be just with his, without saying anything really, with just the look on his face. Yep. Like, it was tremendous. Yep. Uh, a, a great job there. Um, and, you know, in this movie, I, I kind of criticized him before, where all he does is the same thing in every movie. He just goes around and it's kind of relief. He did that in this movie a little bit because that's his character. But I think in this movie, he had the biggest character growth out of any of the uh, Mission Impossible movies for his character. Um, and any movie that he's been in, really, that I've seen. Yeah, that's why I was just going to say. it's He takes it, he's a much... You can appreciate how much deeper he's become as an actor. He's not just... He, he doesn't have to rely on comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He, yeah. He, he pulls it off really well. And I was... I got to give some props to Simon Pig because, you know, he's he's always just been kind of the comedic actor, but he really impressed me with, with what he did with this role here in this episode. So, 
we also have that other character that we're we're not quite sure about the entire time in the movie the the female lead character you know the the british spy that might be a double agent might not be we don't know what's going on with her right and they did a good job of making me guess throughout the film is she good is she bad is she gonna turn whose side is she on you know how is she playing this is is it is it just one of those characters where she plays both sides just to just put herself in the best position possible but she was good Mm -hmm. all along and there she she was like a triple agent she was she she went back and forth a few times and i was like i knew she was bad i knew it and then at the end it's just like okay Mm mm-hmm so I, I just want to see like the next movie will be tying up her loose and no she was actually the leader of the syndicate all along <laughs> um but I a little bit of did... a love connection there with uh, ethan hunt i think a little bit but isn't he technically still kind of married i, I don't know i i would have thought there would have been at least some mention of his there, wife yeah. if they wanted to continue that storyline there was zero mention of his wife in this Nothing. movie i know not even like have you been to seattle lately or wherever they were like no, yeah. it was it was not even brought up because I mean, you know, Luther had that connection with him. I figured, yeah, sure, Luther might bring it up, but no, I mean, it was just. Well, maybe that was the point of the final scene in Ghost Protocol, then, right? When she, when we found out that she was still alive and and he saw her, maybe that was just them. Even though they were, you know, connecting, their eyes were connecting. It was just like, you know, they're both moving on with their lives, and they're at least she is safe. Yeah. So maybe that's what that was supposed to mean. It could be. So overall thoughts on this movie. What oh, one more thing that I really want to bring up that again was really pronounced during and after the opera scene was the score by Michael Giacchino. Okay, now I gotta I gotta say something real quick. I know that I said that it was by Michael Giacchini, but it's actually not. It's not? It's not. It's by Joe Kramer. And Michael Giacchini did Ghost Protocol and Mission Impossible 3. But Joe Kramer. Good on him. <laughs> I, 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 it was great. You had me sold on Michael Giacchini because I was like, yeah, yeah this sounds so really good. good. It could have passed for Michael Giacchini because it was really that good. And I guess this Joe Kramer guy, he's collaborated with uh, Tom Cruise and the uh, the director uh, did uh, the directed Rogue Nation um, on several films before. And I really like that they're trying to go with everybody in-house, you know, that they know each other and they, they're just keeping a nice core together. And I think that's why the movies continue to improve for me. Mm-hmm. Because they actually really care about the franchise because they've been there for more than just one movie. Yeah. You know... But You're still going to buy this track now, even though you know it's not Michael Giacchini? Oh, yeah, I'm still going to get it. And I was actually just pulled it up on Amazon, and it's not available yet, and it's only available on audio CD. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if you'll hear music from the movie for this again. episode. <laughs> so, you know, with this, with this score, though... Uh, I forget the name of the song, the that that is that's sung during the opera scene, but it is woven into the score. Like later on, you hear riffs of it. Yeah, perfectly. It was really well done. The score in this movie was great. I mean, um, it's not the best score I've heard this year. The that goes to Michael Giacchino with uh, Jurassic World. Uh, it has to. 
Until but, maybe Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, come December, anything that you saw this year will be of distant memory because you'll have seen Star Wars 500 times. I know. And, and just a fun fact about Rogue Nation. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I didn't until I read it that it was supposed to release sometime in December of really? this year. And they moved it up specifically because they didn't want to clash with, obviously, Star Wars and also Spectre. Yeah, because you would think it would be really redundant if, if it was around the same time as Spectre came out. Because it's like, okay, Ethan Hunt, you know, Mission Impossible hero, James Bond, obviously the 007 series hero. They're both going up against shadow organizations that are the exact same thing. I mean... That I mean, even Star Wars kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, Just, yeah, it's a sci-fi twist, but I. Who do you? Th- Mission Impossible benefited more by moving their date up. Can or... you repeat that? I think you cut out in Skype oh, again. Sorry. So, who do you think benefited more from Mission Impossible moving their release? Um. So, who do I think benefited more by Mission Impossible moving their release date up? I would have to say the beneficiary is probably going to be Mission Impossible because okay. it's the summer blockbuster movie, right? Yeah. It's it's going to have a good IMAX presence, um, and you don't have a spy movie to, to to kind of detract you or Star Wars later on in the year, so this might have a longer tail. I mean, you do have Fantastic Four coming out next week, but honestly. I want to see how Mission Impossible does at the box office this week mm-hmm. because, you know, a lot of people are probably like me and really don't care about the Fantastic Four. And I'm a comic book guy, right? But I still keep forgetting and really don't care, honestly, if I'm being honest, about the Fantastic Four comic book movie coming out next Friday. I think I might even have less interest in seeing that than I did Ant-Man. And I do, right? Yeah, but I'm hoping to be surprised so i'm going in with low expectations next week to see that and hoping that i come out with the ant-man surprise and yep. I, I really enjoyed that same here absolutely so what give me what do you what's your final thoughts on mission impossible rogue nation and the mission impossible series as we know it so far so a, a, as a series i think the movies have continued to increase i think you know obviously i like Mission Impossible 3 a little bit more than but that is it's just the stories the way that they're filmed all the special effects obviously help but I think they're continuing to increase um, in a good way for me so as a franchise I'm more excited I get more excited about Mission Impossible the more movies that they make or the more I go back and rewatch them I, I don't know if I can say that Rogue Nation is my favorite I, I kind of want to but I think I'll need to see it at least one more time, maybe even twice, to to really make that decision, um, to see how well it sits. You know, uh, I mean, we just saw it tonight. It's not like we've had a night to think about it like we normally do. We just saw it. So, I don't know. Have a little bit of Rogue Nation fever, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But I just the way that the movies are filmed, like I'm saying, just, you know, you have the action. Obviously, the special effects are really cool. The visuals are awesome. The big sets like you talk about. And now they're starting to throw the really good comedic relief from multiple characters in there. And one thing I just want to point out about this movie is that it's really classy. 
about how they approach, like, you know, because they could do what James Bond does or what a lot of these other movies does, and they just make, like, a, a big sexual, you know, presence with whatever female they decide to cast in these roles. And they don't. They keep it very, very classy. And it's like it's like watching a more updated movie from the 90s. And it's it's refreshing, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, they don't have to... It's a good point, right? A lot of movies try to throw in something that over-sexualizes it in some yep. way or another, right? Just to attract some audience members that want to see something or... right. And, yeah. and Bond does that, obviously. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, in in all these Mission Impossible movies, trying to think back, and I don't really think that you had that in any of them, right? I don't. I, If there is, I can't think of one. I mean, yeah, um, you have. I mean, in, in all of them, you have, you know, very attractive, you know, leads in both the female and male roles. So, mm-hmm. but it's just like, like you said, it's not like, you know, a gratuitous sex scene or something just thrown in there like you would with Bond because, you know, that's that's the thing that Bond's known for, right, is is romancing all the women. Ethan right. Hunt's not really known for that. He's he's known for finding the solution that no one else sees, I guess. I guess that's why we like Ethan Hunt. Right. But, I mean, they could easily write it into his character, right? They could. But, I mean, you know, at this point, seeing four movies or five movies, I don't, that's not in his character. That's, that's true. I don't think that that's an Ethan Hunt characteristic. But it's because they kept it classy. I mean, even when he was married, you know what I mean? I, it, it's just uh, it's refreshing to see because you just don't see a lot of that in movies now. Yeah, anymore. even in his fever dream. <laughs> even in his fever dream, he kept it classy. That's How... right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Your, your mic cut out again after you, after you said how something, but uh, yeah. would you care to repeat yourself, Alex? Oh, how classy. Yes. Even in his fever dream, he still keeps it classy. Ethan Hunt. <laughs> That's right. So before Skype decides that it wants to just completely blow up and obliterate us, mm-hmm. um, why don't we go ahead and kind of move into what we'll be talking about next week. We kind of alluded to it already, but next week we'll be chatting about Fantastic Four. Um, and this is a, a Fox property, but it's a Marvel comic. So... Uh, just a little bit of information going into it is that it's not going to be like, uh, you know, Iron Man or those other ones. It's not going to be part of that Avengers universe. It's going to be part of the Fox universe, which does their own stuff. So it could cross in with uh, X-Men if they wanted to, but there's no guarantees for that. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, <laughs> looking forward to at least seeing the movie next week but i'm not really looking forward to the movie i'm looking forward to us talking about it next week though for sure oh yeah absolutely i'm i'm still looking forward to seeing a new movie it's probably going to be entertaining pun not intended but (laughs) it's i don't know if it's going to be one of these movies that i ask people to go see with me again or you know go out of my way to say hey you need to go see this movie i just i don't see that happening but maybe I'll be pleasantly Four. surprised. Yeah. yeah, for Fantastic Four. But I could be pleasantly surprised. I didn't think I'd say that about Ant-Man. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to kind of rank my Mission Impossible experience. So I'm going to say my favorite. Like, But like you said, we, this is, you know, right after watching it. From worst, in my opinion, to best, I'm going to go Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible... 
three, Ghost Protocol, and then Rogue Nation. I think they've gotten better in each rendition of the movie or of the uh, film. Mm-hmm. So I think they've gotten progressively better. We differ a little bit in some of those positions. I think we I think we kind of switched three and uh, four, but they're they're all good. They all get better. Um, Absolutely. I, none of them has been worse than. The first one, in my opinion, because I know a lot of people like to say that two is just, you know, not good at all. But looking at it, you know, when we went back and watched it, I liked it better than one. And I don't know if that says something about me or just something about the 90s feel of uh, of the first movie. But I thought I think they get better as time goes on. So that makes me excited for the next one that Tom Cruise said that there's going to be filming beginning next summer. Right, and and I think the way that the Mission Impossible, we didn't really talk about budget too much for this movie, but budget was only $5 million more than Ghost Protocol. It was at one fifty, So they, they really kept the budget for three, four, and... ...really reflected in how much they do at the box office, right? Because when initially the Mission Impossible came out, they were running with the name Mission Impossible, and they attracted a lot of people that way. And then you saw that reflected in how many people went and saw the second one. And then the second one, I would say, is, you know, it's, it's on the lower end, obviously, right? So you saw that dip for the third one. The third one actually had the lowest at the box office. I, I think it's more of a reflection of the movie prior to that because then Ghost Protocol right after that had the highest of any Mission Impossible movie. So... If it's true what you say, Nathan, that Ghost Protocol is better than Mission Impossible 3, then we should see an increase for Rogue Nation, um, maybe somewhere in the $750 million range. Interesting. Just just a theory. We'll see. <laughs> just a theory, right? Just a thought. So, um, what, Alex, you know, I usually ask the, the listeners a question. But, Alex, I'm going to ask you to ask a question this week. What what question hmm. do you have for the listeners and for me? Okay, so I, I have an interesting question, I, and I, I need your help, Nathan, and listeners. I've had a lot of issue with time not allowing me to play, you know, video games lately or, or, or branch out or, you know, just really enjoy them the way that I used to, right? I remember when I was younger, and I used to, even though, you know, you had the weekend off, you'd still get up so early on Saturday just because you couldn't wait to spend a decent amount of your day playing your this game. And, and that game for me when I was younger was Crash Bandicoot. Um, I just couldn't wait to get out of bed to play that game. <laughs> so I want to know, help me go back to my childhood. What What was that game, or maybe still is, that game for you? What game do you just want to jump out of bed on a Saturday morning and play? For as long as you can. Currently or when I was a kid? Well, may- maybe it's the same. But I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say when you, when you were a kid, what was that game for you when you were a kid? What, what was that Saturday morning game that brings you back? And maybe that will help me rekindle my love for video games and force myself to spend more time playing it and to branch <laughs> out rather than just play Destiny. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to probably say... Super Smash Brothers Melee. Oh, Either that or that Golden was a great one. on 64. 
Oh, both good. Absolutely. Definitely has to be a Nintendo because that those in my like the Nintendo sixty four and GameCube, those were actually really good eras for the Nintendo, I think. Uh, and then you had PlayStation kind of come in there as well. Um, Isn't it odd that mine was a PlayStation game? Out of <laughs> yeah, I guess. out of everything, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so mine, I would have to say, is either is either one of those, you know, and I'm I'm maybe leaning towards Super Smash Brothers because I could always just get up and play that, and I played that for a long time. I'd stayed mm. up and played that game. I probably played that game the most in that generation of gaming systems. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. That one doesn't have too much of a story. <laughs> <laughs> that was before... That was when I was young and just played for fun. Gotcha. <laughs> That's a good question, though. So, you know, before I forget, you know, last week I asked a question about, you know, what was the next comic book movie coming out that you were looking forward to? We had a, a Twitter response that I wanted to make sure that I remembered to read. And that was from Dan Anthony at MR underscore D Anthony. To answer the end of episode question, one, Deadpool, 1A, Captain America Civil War. So he's looking forward to Deadpool and then Captain America Civil War. I think he's kind of got them kind of tied together, mm-hmm. which I'm like we said, talked about last week. Civil War is the next one for me for sure. I kind of forgot about Deadpool. I think that's coming out sometime in February. Um, but I don't know. That's going to be a, a kind of one-off on that one too. Yeah. So. Absolutely. But good question. So send us your answer to Alex's question at Entertaining Pod. Uh, maybe we can get your replies and see what you think is the game that you would get out of bed for, that you were looking forward to, to help Alex rekindle his love for gaming. <laughs> so. Give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. You've probably listened to us from one of those three locations. Or, you know, follow us on Twitter, at EntertainingPod. Shoot us an email, that's entertaining at gmail.com. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, or just any other anecdotes that you would like to share, please feel free to do so. We would love to hear from you guys. Uh, we want to make sure that your voice is heard as well. You can reach Alex on Twitter. Kind of. But, yes, I'm on Twitter at D-O-U-E-1-H-1. Ask him all those Windows 10 questions that you've been burning to ask. Oh, man, this is just like work. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me on Twitter. I am at SithNightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. Alex, we have accomplished our mission. (sighs) Oh. Finally. Feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. I I hope that you've listened uh, or, or enjoyed listening to our Mission Impossible discussions. Next week, we will again talk about Fantastic Four. We hope that you have been entertained.